Hello and welcome to today's episode of EM Insider with me, your host, Crystal Higgins. Today, I'm joined by emerging market debt veteran Raphael Kassin, who gave me his Q4 picks, bets and general macro outlook. Number one, I think uh, Fitch made a ridiculous mistake. Uh, they probably wanted to be seen by by dropping the U.S. I think that that's irrelevant. Uh-huh. Um, I think that the U.S. economy will probably not go into a horrible recession. Um, mm-hmm. There is a li- there is a higher likelihood that it will either just muddle through uh, or even end up a little bit positive. Um, so what's your I, view I would, on the event- it eventually entering a recession towards the end of the year? What's your take yeah, on that? I, I am not that excited about that view. Um, I think that you, the, okay, first of all, it seems like the Fed and, and a lot of other central banks have been able to control inflation to some extent. They've been able to slow it down. Uh, there's another I- interesting element about inflation, which I'll comment in a second, but, um, but they've been able to do that. And they should be able to do that. I think maybe another hike to scare the market will be useful in the States. Um, but we are getting to that extreme point at, you know, or area in which we, we, we can kind of, we can start thinking, well, we are getting towards, we're getting close to the top in terms of rates. Um, the 10 year in the States at 421, uh, or 420, you know, around four and a quarter, which seems to be an inflection point, uh, I think remains an inflection point. I, I can't see that moving too much higher. Um, yeah, so I, I see US, uh, US inflation becoming more controlled. In the UK, we've seen that too. So, you know, numbers have c- come down, um, which should be interesting for next year's elections. Um, and, and I think that that's already beginning to happen in a lot of other countries, like in Brazil, uh, where I think Brazil was probably the first country that started hiking rates. Uh, they have already start, started to cut rates. Um, so if you ask me, how do we look like we could be towards the end of the year in developed markets, or let's say mostly in the States, I'd say we probably will be at a, we, we won't have a, a horrible recession. Uh, we might be close to zero, uh, but it's not going, it, it will be something manageable. Um, and if they have to hike rates a little, you know, maybe maybe another quarter of a point, maybe another half a point if inflation starts getting funny, but but I don't think we'll get to that. You know, I think we're getting pretty close to what you might call an entry point. Uh, the next Fed meeting will be in September. That, when you say an entry, we're close to an entry point, what do you mean? Could you expand on that a little bit for me? What you mean by that? Yeah. Well, I mean, you want to, for emerging debt, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it, okay. Um, if you, at the moment, the the MB Global spread is at, about, at around 350 over treasuries, right? Um, and and the 10-year is around four and a quarter, you know, 420, um, depending on when you air this. But 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 that's that's roughly where we are. And and we can, I think we can see the 10-year in the States dropping, which means that the spread in EM debt could easily tighten uh, as we move along and, and prices can go up. If you look at, in terms of performance for the year, uh, the Dow Jones is, is not doing very well, right? 
it, you know, remember, you, you have a lot of asset allocators reading and li listening to your stuff. Um, and this is a fantastic model in Europe, which we could get into later. Um, the Dow this year is up less than 6%, or roughly 6 The S&P is up a lot, around 15 Emerging debt is up 3.5% in dollars, right? Uh, I can't see why emerging debt cannot start to pick up and, and provide better performance. We have a lot of negative news all priced in. These countries are all going to start cutting rates. Uh, and the U.S. will manage to, to function, right? And, and the economy will continue. You know, when, the, you're the, at, all... when you're looking at, so based on that kind of central scenario, I suppose, of what kind of rates and returns you're expecting, what preferred focus within that? Or be, what, what is your preferred focus because of that? Within the emerging debt? Yeah. Ah, this is a fantastic question. And, and this brings up a conversation that I had with an asset allocator the other day. Oh, yeah. Uh, you're the only... Based on what you just said before. Yeah. Well, okay. Um, in the old days, asset allocators would just say, I want to put 5% in EM debt because I think it's, look, it's looking like it's going to give me another 5%, let's say, return this year, right? Based on spreads and, and treasuries. Um, in the old days, that was a nice idea. I think these days it's a little bit more complex because we've got separations you know, within the asset class. I'm sure you hear that every day. Um, I hear people saying, I only want investment grade emerging debt. But then you have a high correlation to US treasuries, right? And you have a very select group of investors. Uh, is that where most of the juice is? I, I wouldn't say so. I would say that the juice is in the absolute return space in EM debt, right? So you could say, okay, I'll buy the index and make 5%, but I'd rather, I would rather be with an absolute return person who makes 15. And, and how could you make 15? Well, you could avoid a lot of the countries that are countries like Brazil, right? Um, China, uh, and you could go into, or you could even avoid countries like Pakistan, which is, which these days are a uh, basket case. But you can start thinking about dipping into things like Venezuela, where there's a potential for a huge payout. So can I put something to you? So let's just say, what would your preferred positioning focus be, say, if the Fed's tightening weakened the U.S. economy and the U.S. dollar? Is that uh, a fair way? That's an in yeah, if that happened, I would definitely want to be short uh, EM debt. Uh, and that's why the absolute return option uh, is attractive, right? Uh, and you wouldn't want to be doing that through bonds. You do that through derivatives. Um, if you want to support, the... you would do it via absolute returns. Products, yes. But but I don't think that we're going to have a, 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 US, a U.S. economy that goes horribly into reverse, right? So I see that that economy continue to function. I see interest rates somehow stabilizing close to here. Uh, and as a result, I see lots of opportunities within EM debt uh, that people have been shunning. Uh, this is obviously the non-investment grade side. Uh, you know, we're talking about Bolivia is interesting, Bahamas, 
Egypt is interesting. It's been left in the doldrums. Um, Ghana, which is restructuring. Zambia, which is also restructuring. Um, maybe Venezuela. Uh, so these would these are your these are your kind of Q four bets. Your what you what you'd be yeah. you'd be focusing on. I like the high yielders, yes, especially the high yielders where a lot of traditional managers have avoided out of fear of going into things. And, and I would actually question anybody who's putting money into Brazil. I mean, this is this is an interesting point. So you know, I have never popular Brazil has come up as a kind of a, a bit of a darling of you know emerging market debt. Uh, in Latam, you know, for for quite some time. So why would you be questioning? What's your re What's your stance? You know, on why you would question people putting money into in Brazil now? Well, if you can speak Portuguese and watch the local news, uh, you will definitely not want to watch it, right? Uh, it's it's come out that Brazil is one of the countries where they spend the most in politics. Um, Lula uh, came back to government with a very tight margin. And and Lula has been, since he's been in office, unable to do anything constructive. The only thing he has done so far is appoint some of his old cronies to positions where they can profit from them. Right. So uh, remember that in Brazil, you have the government and you have the Supreme Court, which is very different from a traditional Supreme Court. Uh, over here, the Supreme Court can just decide to to issue laws. Without, they're not judging cases only. And so if they, if they think that somebody has done something funny, they'll go after the guy. Uh, so they are a little bit different uh, and they are very politically motivated. Um, Lula came out of prison in my humble view and lots of humble views, people's humble views, uh, uh, maybe with the support of the Supreme Court. Uh, from you know, by from people who had appointed him. What do you think, or what are your thoughts on any impact a delayed recession would have on risk assets in Q4? A delayed recession will be good for risk assets, right? Because if you don't have a recession, I mean, people will take will take risk. How would you uh, leverage that yourself? How would where would you be looking to? Best levers that. Yeah, I like some of the high yielders in EMDAT, uh, and I like the derivatives trading uh, alternatives, which in the old days were not very popular, and they're still not very popular with long traditional long only managers, but they offer lots of liquidity. Mm -hmm. Now, just a, you you asked me something on Brazil. I, I just want to to comment on that, so you don't think that I am just an anti Lula. Uh, no, 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 it's fine. No, it's not. It's not that. It's um, from an EMD perspective, I suppose. What's what's the issue, right? When you're saying they, because you start off by saying they spend the most on government, and Lula's not been able to do anything constructive. That's fine, but in the context of, I suppose, emerging market debt, why is this potentially causing some kind of like sovereign? I mean, do you think you can see it turning into like a sovereign debt crisis? No, 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 no. You're totally right. Uh, I, it's just that I think that making 1% on on one-year paper in Brazil, in dollars, uh, doesn't pay for the risk of the government being unable to finance itself 
other than by doing crazy things and and things that are maybe a little illegal. Um, it, let's put it, let me place it, explain it a different way. We, the government is having difficulty finding a way to balance next year's budget. Uh, and they're trying to find money everywhere they can, but they have been married to this central government. Uh, uh, they have something called the Centrão, which is the big center, which is lots of parties. Uh, and, and all of these parties are re they requesting uh, having ministries, uh, which takes money from, the, from Lula and his plans. So I think Brazil will definitely not be the best performer uh, as we go along. Uh, it will still benefit because people don't know what they're doing when they put their money in EM debt and they say, well, I'm going to put it in the Brazilian weight in Brazil. Uh, but but I think that that will eventually turn out to be a disappointment, right? Uh, but, but it, of course, no, we, we're not going to have a crisis. In fact, the crisis that we had been predicting, and a lot of people had been predicting during the beginning, in the beginning of this year, uh, has never materialized. I mean, the the countries that have gone a little bit funny since the beginning of the year, well, they've been uh, they've been negotiating defaults, right? One is Zambia, the other is Ghana. They're sorting that out. Uh, Ukrainian bond prices have been flying. Uh, Suriname has also agreed on the deal, and that's going to come out at some point. The IMF, remember, we we I think we spoke earlier in the year about the IMF and how the IMF was going to take the role of lots of private lenders this year. And because that's what you would expect them to do during a crisis. And I think that that's what they've done so far. Um, so we haven't had blown ups, ridiculous blown ups, uh, blown outs. Uh, and, and what we've had instead, we've had a lot of bonds that have gone down in price. They're trading around 40, 50, 60. Uh, which offers some uh, some interesting yields, right? So I think that that's that's where you you make your 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 the the bulk of your nice returns. You know, before I let you go, and I know it's a big one, and we almost need like an entire episode uh, for this one. But on China, I knew that was coming. <laughs> How did you know? How did you know that I'd mentioned China? Um, obviously, there's an enormous amount of pressure on policy make policymakers to um, government to inject liquidity and to 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 intervene. And we have some very real, you know, structural internal economic issues there. Um, in your view, uh, would you say that from you know a sovereign debt? perspective it's at a point of crisis and what is your like you know what what is your view you know from an EOD perspective on China at the minute well okay um just a small question I, or <laughs> yeah it, it, I can make it I can make it very short um I don't make as a risk taker mm -hmm. I don't make enough return out of Chinese bonds in dollars, right? Mm -hmm. uh, in order to justify the risk that I am having. Uh, the risk is exactly what you mentioned, that a corporate blows up, that a bank blows up, that the real estate market needs to be saved by the government. Um, 
and by having said it, by have to be saved by the government means that we know that the Chinese economy is not free as much as they like to make it seem. And that for a long time, it still is a, an attraction, uh, but not from, for me, for, for the bond perspective. You know, to make Fed funds rate on Chinese bonds, I'd rather be in U.S. treasuries. Okay. Right? And, and, and my fear is I wake up one day and another corporate has blown up. And then there's a question mark of whether the government will come in or not to save it. Um, I think the effect, so, so I have put China in a different corner when I think about investing. What do you see as being um, the knock-on try... effects, the knock-on effects of this current, um, you know, I think you could say sovereign debt crisis. Is it fair to say there it's a it's it's a country in debt crisis? Yeah, I think that there there are a few managers uh, who have been very deeply involved in China, and for them it it will be a disappointment. Um, I have already chosen to be out, uh, and I see China. Uh, okay, I I see a Chinese. I see Chinese economic weakness, uh, actually, as not being as relevant as mo most people like to make it for emerging debt. I think in the old days, Chinese spending was very attractive for EM analysts because they thought, well, if China is growing, you know, they're exporting, they're helping emerging debt. That's really good. Uh, and of course, if it went the other way around, they would say, well, that's really bad for EM debt. Um, but I actually think that these days, uh, Chinese weakness is going to export disinflation, which is great, right? Because that's what we need. We need disinflation. Um, so I, I actually, I'm happy with that. And, and I, but I still don't think that for emerging debt countries, themselves, it's going to make such a huge difference if China's doing well or badly. I'll be, it'll be more for global inflation. Raphael Kasten, I think that's quite a good note to leave things on.